well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. The first one of uh, 2023. Hopefully you had a very Merry Christmas and a, a Happy New Year. Glad that I am back behind the microphone uh, and very pleased to have this on the program today. Mr. Mark Walters, the uh, host of Armed American Radio, good friend of mine, fellow uh, board member on the uh, Second Amendment Foundation, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. And I figured, you know, since this is the first show of 2023, it might be good to just sort of set the table, talk about uh, what some of the uh, big fights to come are going to look like, as well as the uh, the big opportunities in store for gun owners as well. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of topics with Mark on the uh, program today. Sit back, take a look and a listen. Mark, happy new year. Thanks for joining us. The very first guest of 2023 on Cam and Company. How are you, man? Well, I'm proud of that. Uh, I can tell you that very much. And, and thanks for having me on today, Cam. We have a lot to talk about. We do. Uh, and I figured, you know, since this was the first show of the new year, I wanted to have somebody on who could uh, talk about some of the, both the threats that gun owners are going to be facing and then the, I think the opportunities that gun owners have this year. Um, and so let's start with the, uh, let's start with the threats that are out there right now, Mark. I mean, we've got, you know, Illinois lawmakers are trying to ram through a gun ban uh, as well as uh, raising the age to exercise your right to keep your arms from 18 to 21. They're trying to get that done in the lame duck session. We've got threats to our right to carry, you know, new lawsuits filed in uh, New Jersey. What do you think the biggest threat out there is right now for gun owners? One that's going to be beaten. Let me explain what I mean by that. You just mentioned it. Uh, Let's look at the assault weapons ban because we have them in individual states, right? Mm -hmm. We also have that huge Fourth Circuit case in Maryland, as you know, that has the potential to wipe those bans out if that case makes it to the Supreme Court. I'm not convinced like Mr. Gottlieb when I speak with him about it both on air and off air, that case might not make it to the Supreme Court because we'll likely win it at the lower level, meaning the other side likely won't appeal it to the Supreme Court and let it stand in the Fourth Circuit only, which makes it even tougher for states outside the Fourth Circuit, like Illinois, like you just mentioned, like California, like you just mentioned. Um, Delaware, believe it or not, right there by Maryland, is in a different circuit. Mm -hmm. Massachusetts, New York State. The threat to gun owners is coming at us from one side only, and that's the left, period. And the Democrats are in, in, when you, you know, and this is the dividing line in the country, Cam, the blue state, red state. I think that the gun issue highlights that divide, I think, more than anything else. I think you're right. And I do think we're making some progress, even in those blue states. I mean, you look at Measure 114 in Oregon, passed with 50.1% of the vote in a, you know, one of the most progressive states in the nation. Um, and I think that shows, first of all, that the, you know, the, the gun control uh, lobby, they love to proclaim, oh, our ideas are so popular and reasonable and common sense. Uh, and even in a state like Oregon, right, I mean, they just squeak by by the skin of their teeth. And then we've got a county judge that immediately halts these laws uh, because they likely violate the uh, the right to keep arms under the Oregon state constitution. Right, right. Um, but but you're right. I mean, the the states, the blue states are lashing out. And it reminds me a lot of what we saw uh, in the South, frankly, after Brown versus Board of Education in the 1950s and 1960s, this campaign of massive resistance to uh, the recognition of equal rights for all, um, I think we're still seeing that massive resistance just instead of being focused on black Americans being able to exercise any of their civil rights. Now it's, okay, we don't want any Americans exercising their Second Amendment rights. And and that's the difference here. But they're still using things like poll taxes, right? If you live in San Jose now, you got to pay an annual fee 
to a third party in order for you to exercise your right to keep your arms. So this type of uh, I don't even want to I mean, this type of just arrogance uh, that we're seeing here, this anti-civil rights arrogance. Do you think that this is um, you think they are going to get some smackdowns in the courts this year? There's no question about it. And how how could forgive me, please, for not mentioning New Jersey and that list of previous states that I just mentioned, because and what reminded me of that was when you said the word arrogance. I don't think there's anybody more arrogant out there. And this is a bold statement when you consider Hockle and Newsom in the same sentence. But Murphy himself is likely one of the most arrogant anti-gunners there is out there. Uh, yeah, you're going to see these things in the courts. And there's no question I think the Second Amendment is itching for another showdown. That will likely happen, in my estimation, in New York State. Mr. Gottlieb and I talked about it on my Sunday program on New Year's Day. I New York is a is a really odd test case because it's so in your face. It's it's Hockle. These Democrats are fighting tooth and nail, knowing they're swimming upstream. And I think itching for another court case that, Cam, I'd like to get your opinion on. I, I don't believe they believe they can win these cases, which tells me that all they're doing is standing in the way, throwing up every roadblock. Everything you and I have talked about over the years, we're watching mm-hmm. come true. In the with the evidence of what they're doing in states like New York, what Murphy did, the law Murphy just signed is is there's no way this stands constitutional muster. And you and I both know that what Hocko signed and what Murphy signed, two great examples, are more restrictive than what was smacked down in Bruin in June. So they can't possibly believe that these cases will stand muster. However, they and their AGs, these are the, this is the same party that will stand up like Stacey Abrams and tell you that it's shining bright at sunlight at midnight. They will look right at you and lie to your face, and the attorney general in these states will say, we're confident that our laws are constitutional when they were already smacked down on lesser restrictions. So it really truly proves, A, they're stupid, B, they're arrogant, and I think it's arrogance is what it is. So you hit the nail right on the head with that, no doubt. But they will. These are these these are going to go to court. They're they're going to be showdowns. We've seen the lawsuits filed within minutes of these of these uh, signatures on these bills. Yeah. So yeah, I think the Supreme Court takes one. You know, and 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 you hit on something really interesting too. That uh, going back to the Fourth Circuit, the assault ban, uh, assault weapons ban case out of Maryland. Um, and if the Fourth Circuit, uh, you know, reverses uh, its original decision and says, yeah, you know what, under the Bruin test, uh, the, these arms are protected by the Second Amendment. The ban cannot stand. Uh, the prospect of uh, uh, Brian Frost, the Maryland attorney general there, saying, all right, you know what, I'm not going to appeal this up to the Supreme Court. We saw that in Washington, D.C. a few Ren years case. ago. Right. Ren v. Exactly. DC is what you're talking about, that same it, phenomenon. Yep. Where the gun control lobby says we don't want a nationwide precedent. Just, you know, take the loss and uh, and we'll deal with it from there. I think that you're right. We're probably going to see that too with some of these concealed carry laws. But again, it's I think I think a it's trying to run out the clock. I think that there is a, a hope on the left that uh, maybe there'll be a retirement of the Supreme Court. Maybe Justice Thomas will step down. Uh, you know, maybe they can put a uh, another anti-gun liberal on the bench, um, and and maybe that changes the calculus, right? So I think they are trying to kind of slow walk these court decisions. Um, I think you're right. They're they're willing to. Uh, leave it at the uh, appellate court level rather than take a uh, a case up at the Supreme Court if they know that they're going to lose. But in the meantime, they know that they can continue to deprive people of their constitutional rights while these cases are making their way through court. You know, I I mean, we'll see what happens with the New Jersey case. I know that there are some hearings, uh, I think one this week, right? The uh, the first hearing for a a temporary injunction. Uh, And we'll see what happens here. But I mean, Mark, as you well know, we've seen some federal judges even after Bruin 
use some really specious logic to try to uphold some of these gun control laws, right? Uh, judge Emmer got out in Oregon, the federal judge, who said that, uh, well, Oregon's ban on magazines, it, it's it's okay because magazines aren't really protected by the uh, Second Amendment anyway. But even if they were, there are enough historic analogs out there. Like uh, I think she cited a, uh, a law in Illinois that forbade uh, like armed paramilitary groups from parading around as analogous to a ban on you know, 17 round magazines or 10 plus round magazines, that type of overreach, which was so common between, uh, you know, the Heller decision in Bruin has not disappeared from the federal judiciary. Do you do you have any hope that uh, these court that some of these, you know, appellate courts are going to get reined in and roped into line here? Well, I'll tell you what I you know, that's a you're spot on with that analysis. I hope so. I certainly hope that they're going to. They should. And they're making – we have to go back to Bruin again, Cam. Bruin said when it went back and looked at the historical basis of the Second Amendment, Thomas wrote that decision eloquently and brilliantly. He made it clear that while there were examples of some of those laws, those laws were outliers at the time. And that's what the federal cases are going to have to focus on. But you're dead on when you say that these judges out there – look, you've still got judges that are pushing an activist agenda from the bench. And they're going to continue to do that knowing that it's going to go up the level. And that's why I think you might possibly see the Supreme Court take more than one gun case. So let's go back to that Fourth Circuit for a second. You mentioned the Ren v. D.C. case, which I want mm -hmm. to remind viewers of. In Ren v. D.C., when the case was lost by the Democrats in D.C., the decision to appeal that to the Supreme Court was actually being considered by, by D.C., when they got phone calls, Cam, I think from no less than seven blue state governors and AG saying, stop, don't appeal this to the Supreme Court, because if you do, you're likely going to lose. That telegraphed to me at that time that they know their argument is a flat out house of cards. They knew it. So juxtapose that with what we're seeing today from Hockle and Newsom, uh, Oregon. Uh, Inslee in Washington, Murphy, et cetera, you're going to see these people. That's why it leads me to believe that they're all in this together. I, you cannot convince me otherwise that these attorney generals are not talking to each other. There, oh, are too yeah. many, there are too many similarities going on here. And when they do that, we see the same exact play come from the same page in the same playbook. You know they're working in unison, and what they're doing is exactly what you just described. They're in standing in your way, trying to dissuade you from keeping and bearing arms, using taxpayer dollars to do it, knowing they're eventually going to get smacked down and hoping organizations like the Second Amendment Foundation, the Gun Owners of America, even the NRA might go away or at least cost them enough money, <clears throat> excuse me, that they bail on some of these cases. And it isn't going to happen. You and I both know that. But they're working in unison. They're definitely working in tandem together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, some of these groups, uh, some of these AGs have actually set up sort of, you know, working groups, regional working sure. groups. I think uh, New Jersey and Connecticut's AG working together. So absolutely. And I'm sure that there's a lot of behind the scenes discussion with the gun control lobby as well, working on these talking points and these. And uh, in Canada, too, Cam, let's not forget that they're working with the administration <laughs> right? in Canada. There's evidence of that. Uh, yeah. you know, these are insidious, hateful groups and they're, they're not going to stop. And I, I have to ask viewers again what I do on my radio show. And I want people to think about this when you're, when you're listening to what Cam and I are talking about, pay very careful attention to this question. What is it about their agenda that requires your disarmament? You think about that. Why are they working so feverishly to disarm you? 
And that, that question, it's a little bit, Cam, as you know, it's a little bit uncomfortable. The answer might be. And people say to me, well, what do you think? I say, well, you know, you'll make up your own. You'll, I, I have my ideas, but I want people to make up their own mind. And I, I can couple that with the question, what can a government do when it takes your firearms away? Anything it wants. So yeah. consider that question when you, when you lay your head on the pillow at night. All right. Now, speaking of administrations, um, let's talk about the Biden administration, right? So uh, uh, Joe Biden's gun ban dreams of uh, a, a bill getting through Congress, that's not going to happen with Republicans in charge of the House. Um, so, you know, my my impression, Mark, has been that the next couple of years, uh, we're going to really see the ATF and DOJ take the lead on Joe Biden's uh, gun control machinations. We know that, uh, you know, the stabilizing brace rule uh, is in the pipeline. Um, do you think that there's other stuff that the uh, ATF is working on right now that yeah, uh, I, I do. You know, more, more rules coming? I fear the rulemaking at the ATF, where I, I always refer to it as the AFT because that's what Joe Biden calls it. So <laughs> it's it's a habit. It's I, I, I have to force myself to say ATF. So if I slip and say AFT, forgive me, it's intentional. Uh, yes, I do. And one of them that comes to mind is the ATF's ability or the AFT's ability, if you will, to regulate definition. And when you can regulate the definition of or change, and by that, I, I mean change a definition. When you mm -hmm. can change the definition of something, just like the left is doing with gender, when you can change a definition, there's nothing standing in your way to regulating anything you want. One of my biggest concerns goes back to the bump stocks. And I think you and I spoke about this. And I know this isn't about bump stocks, but it's the change of the definition. A bump stock as you and I know, was a very obscure piece of innate it, plastic with no moving parts that the ATF successfully, under the Trump administration, I might add, changed its definition to a machine gun. Machine, the word machine itself insinuates moving parts that a bump stock does not have. And when you can do that successfully, where my concern lie immediately was, I don't need a bump stock to bump fire my AR-15. I can use my belt loop. I can hold the gun properly by my side. I can use a rubber band. You know what? You, you can bump fire anything you want, which leads me to believe that at some point in time, and we've begun to see the ramblings. Every once in a while, Cam, the left slips and says what they really mean. And then somebody on the left reins them in and says, Shh, don't say that anymore. Okay. You shouldn't have let that slip. And in this case, we've seen the left begin to demonize the words semi-automatic. Mm -hmm. Why? Most all firearms in existence are semi-automatic. Why are they doing that? Because they're getting ready, in my estimation, the ATF or AFT wants to change the definition of semi-automatic. When you look, picture all the YouTube videos of people bump firing rifles, right? Without bump stocks. The AFT can say, well, wait a minute, we, we banned bump stocks. We called them we called them machine guns, but you don't need one to do that. Maybe the semi-automatic should be reclassified itself because you know they would love to put that under the NFA. And oh, I yeah. think that's, that's the direction they want to go. And every gun owner should fear that change of definition. I, I'm actually really disturbed to hear you say that because I, I've been saying the same thing, as, as you know, Mark. So to uh, to get confirmation 
Um, you know, it, it is troubling because you're right. We have seen these whispers and these inklings. Uh, the gun control lobby has started making the in, in court cases that uh, that semi-automatic firearms should be treated like machine guns because they're quote readily converted to machine guns. Uh, the Trace had a piece a couple of months ago uh, noting that, uh, you know, well, back in the 80s, yes. uh, the ATF, you know, reclassified uh, some firearms as machine guns. Why do we do that with all semi-automatic firearms, right? And and that would be the nuclear option. I mean, that would be the Hail Mary pass if Joe Biden wants to get a gun ban, uh, try to enact it through regulation, not through legislation. Right. But I, I'm concerned that, uh, you know, the gun control lobby may be desperate enough that they would try to do something like that. Um, all right, we've only got a couple minutes left, but I got to ask you, because we've talked about the threats so far. What about the opportunities for gun owners this year? Where do you, where do you think we uh, we are set to to make some genuine progress? Obviously, the courts, you know, you've said you right. think the uh, the smackdown's coming. Um, but, you know, policy wise at the at the state level, let's let's say Congress is going to be divided. We're probably not going to get anything through Congress. But where do you think we might see some gains at the state level this year? Oh, great question. Constitutional carry. Let's let's go to constitutional carry. Just two days ago, today's the third, just two days ago, Alabama became the 25th state. Now, it had already legislated it. The governor had already signed it, but it took effect on the first. Half the nation is constitutional carry. We are going to see a huge gain in Florida. We know that's coming. Now, I would consider it constitutional carry light because to me, constitutional carry means open and concealed. But in reality, we we know that to be permitless carry as what you and I are old enough to remember when it was Vermont style carry before right. constitutional carry was even a term. Vermont has been constitutional carry from day one since it's been a state. Now we have half the nation constitutional carry. Florida is no doubt going to go. And from what I understand in the research that I've done, I think you'll agree with me on this. It looks like Nebraska may mm -hmm. be 27. They apparently have the votes now. They were close last legislative session, but it looks like they've got enough to move this through and the governor will sign the bill. That's 27. And then when you couple that with court victories that we know are coming, it's possible, Cam, that 2023, at least into mid-2024, we could see a Second Amendment case that smacks these people with a rolled up copy of the Constitution so hard this time that they can't even think about signing the legislation the blue states are doing right now. And I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist in that, but I also know they're never going to go away and they're telegraphing that to us right now. So we, we have to stay in this fight. If we, if we back off this fight, we can lose it, even with those court victories at the Supreme Court level. Well, absolutely we can. Um, I, I mean, listen, what we, all you have to do is look through history. Uh, and when, you know, when, when groups get uh, dealt a setback, as the gun control lobby was with Bruin, mm -hmm. um, typically they don't, I mean, look, sometimes they fold up their tent and they go away. Uh, but oftentimes they try to use that court decision to rally the public to their side, right? Uh, this decision is putting lives at risk, right? We we have to, uh, uh, you know, undo the Bruin decision. We have to have these common sense uh, regulations in place. And I think that's what we're seeing here on the part of the gun control lobby. They're waging, you know, these fights in the court of public opinion, not just in the courtrooms. And mm -hmm. uh, and you're absolutely right. We do have to stay engaged. We do yeah. have to be involved. And when we show up, frankly, we can make a difference. Look at what happened in Connecticut last year uh, where, you know, Governor Ned Lamont's uh, gun control bill was basically gutted uh, thanks to the testimony of thousands of gun owners, the great work of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League. Um, you know, I mean, we, we know that we can push back. And you're right. We have to stay engaged and involved this year. This is a critically crucial time for a right to keep bear arms. And of course, uh, folks can learn all about it, not only at Bearing Arms, but through Armed American Radio. Uh, Mark, tell us where we can find the show. 
armedamericanradio.com. I'm on air 4 to 6 p.m., two hours every day, Monday through Friday, and Sundays 8 to 11 p.m. on hundreds of radio stations. So you can watch the program live at armedamericanradio.com, and it's right there, little buttons for you to click. If, you're not, if, there's, if there's not a station in your area, you can click and listen right to it on your radio, which in today's day and age is one of these hideous, god-awful things that we have to carry around <laughs> with us, right? But one more That's thing, right. quick, Kim, Rhode Island. We didn't talk about Rhode Island, right? Rhode yeah. Island's a mess. Law-abiding citizens were turned into felons overnight. It's just a week ago if yep. they didn't turn in their magazines. Okay, that so confiscation is well underway. And when you look at the big decisions that came out this year, what are the biggest stories of the year? No doubt Bruin. And then I could argue and have argued, I don't know if it's successful or not, that the left's decisions, the left's reactions to Bruin could possibly be even a bigger story than Bruin itself because it's telling us what direction we're going to go into 2023 and 2024. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Both you do. I do. You gun owners. We all have a ton of work to do. and We're all in this fight together. Absolutely. Mark Walters, always good talking to you, man. Thanks so much Thanks, for coming brother. to the show, and uh, we'll Happy do this New again Year. soon. You too, Happy man. Happy New Year. Appreciate Mark being a part of the program today, and uh, yes, we will be talking with him again in the very near future. Right now, though, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there, case out of Minnesota, where uh, Democrats, by the way, are now in complete control of state government. Uh, and it is one of those states where they are talking about gun control. Now, the margins in Minnesota are really narrow. So they're not talking about banning guns, right? They're doing the more moderate steps of uh, things like red flag laws and, uh, you know, maybe background checks, maybe a magazine ban. That, 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 that seems to be what they're focusing on. What they're not focusing on, however, violent criminals. And a Wilmar man who was first charged as a juvenile in 2021 has now been sentenced to five years probation for a stabbing inside an apartment in the uh, small Minnesota town. 18-year-old uh, Brian Fabricio Galias Hernandez, originally charged with two counts of second-degree assault in November of 2021, first as a juvenile, and then earlier uh, in 22, or later in 2022, he agreed to uh, be certified as an adult. Uh, the victim in this case stabbed six to seven times inside his apartment, taken to a, a local hospital, suffered a, a hemothorax, had to be intubated and airlifted to a hospital in St. Cloud for further treatment. So we're not talking about, you know, a paper cut here. This was a very serious injury. Uh, the victim ended up uh, developing pneumonia and an infection during his recovery. Uh, meanwhile, I mean, he's going to be living with the effects of that attack for years to come, if not forevermore. Meanwhile, Mr. Galeas Hernandez pleaded guilty in September to an amended count of felony threats of violence. Threats of violence. The actual violent attack taken off the table by prosecutors. And the 18-year-old, again, allowed to plead guilty to felony threats of violence as part of a plea deal to dismiss the assault charges. Prosecution also agreed to probation and no additional jail time in this case. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, he has to complete a mental health diagnostic evaluation, comply with the recommendations. He's not allowed to possess any weapons or explosives, including knives with a blade longer than uh, two inches. But, um, yeah, here we have another case of another violent criminal getting a slap on the wrist or less. And uh, again, stories like this just aren't going to be a priority for the uh, Democrats now complete control in Minnesota. Today's Armed Citizens story from Des Moines, Iowa, uh, you know, the state that uh, recently uh, approved uh, via a constitutional amendment, 
uh, enshrining the right to keep and bear arms uh, in the state constitution. The police say the uh, first homicide of 2023 in Des Moines, Iowa, actually a case of self-defense. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Don't have a lot of details about the circumstances of this case, but uh, police say that 18-year-old Jaquez Alonzo Allen uh, passed away on Sunday night after he was shot. Police went to the uh, shooting scene at uh, 3720 Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway, which is an apartment building. About 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon, uh, Allen was found uh, critically injured, taken to a hospital after attempting the life-saving measures. A second person wounded in the shooting went to a hospital and uh, remains in serious condition. A third person treated at a hospital and released as well. Uh, police said that there's no, indica- uh, no indication of any ongoing threat to the public. They had found uh, multiple firearms there at the scene. The Des Moines Police the spokesperson, uh, Sergeant Paul Pizarek, uh, uh said that uh, detectives continue to investigate. But uh, at this point, they also say that the shooting apparently was the result of self-defense. So we will keep our eyes out for any more information or details about that story. Uh, but I'm glad to know that uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, and across the rest of the state, quite frankly, uh, the right to keep and bear arms is real. It is fundamental, uh, according to the state constitution now, and uh, that right shall not be infringed. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day in Bryan, Texas, where uh, some residents in the right place at the right time weren't able to do the right thing to help a police officer who had been shot during a traffic stop. Um, yeah, this was uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, police officer trying to conduct a traffic stop. Jason Allen and Adam Richardson were inside uh, at Jason Allen's home. They were just watching football. When all of a sudden they heard uh, gunshots ring out, he said, we walked out to see what was going on. Jason Allen did. And I saw the guy who ended up being the cop, he said. Uh, he and Richardson saw the officer on the ground a few houses down. So Jason Allen runs back inside his house, grabs some belts to make a tourniquet. Uh, and then they ran to the officer and said that uh, putting themselves in danger didn't really cross their mind. He said he just, uh, Jason Allen said he was just hoping to do what anybody would do for him if he needed help. Um, the suspect in this case, guy named Joshua Heron, uh, ended up being the subject of a, a 12-hour pursuit and chase. He uh, fled on foot after shooting the officer and stole the wounded officer's patrol vehicle. He went on to get away in a different vehicle and then uh, led law enforcement officers on a, a pursuit, shot a deputy from uh, Brazos County Sheriff's Office before he was taken into custody. Uh, the officer in Bryan, Texas, who was shot, uh, Najee Watson, thankfully released from the hospital on Saturday. Who knows whether or not that would have been the case, though, were it not for the uh, quick thinking and fast actions of uh, Jason Allen and Adam Richardson, again, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. And we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you in this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Looking forward to being back with you tomorrow for another edition. Meanwhile, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more of the latest information on your right to keep your arms, the threats that they face, and, the uh, again, the opportunities to strengthen and secure those rights. Uh, if you like what you see, by the way, you can always become a VIP member. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else. Because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Looking forward to being back here with you tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.